Good afternoon, friends. Welcome to another grand and glorious afternoon here in the best little city in America. We're going to spend a couple hours on the Patrick Lally Show, engaged in energetic and entertaining conversation. Local, state, national news and politics, that sort of thing. Recreation, fitness, education and safety. Oh, yeah. Everything that's going on in our community. Community. Uber producer Dan Peters is with us today in studio, as always, except the days when he can't be here for whatever reason or another. But, the you know, the Skyforce season's over, so Dan's here most days. Thanks for spending some time with us today through your radio at Information 1000. Maybe you're streamed live at KSO.com or on the KSOO mobile app. And remember, people, get out there, get your KSOO mobile app. You get one-touch live streaming. You bring up the app, boom, there it is, boom. You get the uh, news and weather updates and uh, various stories from the staff here at Results Radio. And remember, you can always follow along on Facebook Live, on our KSOO account, or our Twitter account, at PLally Show. And you got to do that. You got to follow along on the Twitter. That's almost de rigueur anymore. Hey, uh, so yesterday, Dan, when we went on the air, there was a press conference. It was happening like as we hit the air. Simultaneous. uh, Simultaneously. (laughs) This is glue. Strong stuff. Um, It was on this this Elm Ash Ash Elm Bore. No, it's not. not You're you're conflating Dutch Elm disease and the Emerald Ash Bore. Emerald. The Emerald Ash Bore. It's a bug. Looks like a grasshopper, only it's kind of a translucent green or an iridescent green. Iridescent, very good, yes. Not translucent, then you could see through it, but that's not the way it is. It's iridescent. It's it's sort of gleaming green. It is an ugly, ugly bug with a rather nice color, but it it gets in your your ash trees and it it digs tunnels in there and it's it's not good. So the city had this press conference and uh, they found... The the hated emerald ash bore in a uh, in a, in, a, in a tree in somewhere in northern Sioux Falls, and so now uh, there's quarantine quarantine on your on your ash trees. This is from the city uh, because moving ash wood can f- cause further spread of the insects. An emergency quarantine area has been implemented, effective immediately. The quarantine restricts the movement of ash materials. In all of Minnehaha County, in areas north of Highway 18 in Lincoln County, north of of Highway 18 and east of Highway 19. You know, who knows where all these highways are? (laughs) I know where Highway 19 is in Turner County. No wood waste, including firewood, can cross those lines. Yes, we're talking ash trees and wood made out of ash. Not if you burn the wood down and all there is left is a pile of ashes. Right. That's, no, that's different. That's general stuff. Yeah, that's this okay. Is specific to the wood itself. You know, and you probably shouldn't be uh, toting wood around anyway because there's all kinds of critters in there. And now you could be transporting bugs, uh, the emerald ash bore, and that's bad. And uh, so, yeah, nope, don't be moving this stuff around. Uh, uh, no movement of an ash tree wood product should occur until after Labor Day as the insects are active during warmer weather. Transporting ash wood outside of this time frame causes no concern. Emerald ash borer does kill ash trees, but the process is gradual and the spread takes time. It can take a number of years for the insect to kill a tree. It likely will be a decade or more before most of the ash trees in Sioux Falls have been overcome by the insects. But we're going to lose ash trees. We're going to lose a lot of ash trees. Now, thankfully, we have, as I said yesterday, we've been diversifying our our uh, our tree uh, uh, collection here in the city. Got a lot of maples and that sort of thing, so it won't be probably as bad as your old Dutch elm disease disaster of the '70s. But it won't be good either. So, if you got ash trees, be watching them. You can go to SiouxFalls.org, city's website. You'll find uh, this information that I am reading here. Uh, you can find more there and. Uh, you can find the list of licensed arborists in Sioux Falls. Unless there is something along the lines of the opal maple borer that follows next that kills all the maple trees, which I certainly hope does not happen. There is an a- opal? Opal oh. maple borer? I am making things oh, up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, because of the emerald I ash see. or the opal maple. 
because it rhymes. <laughs> Opal maple bore. I mean, that's as, that's as hard to say as the emerald ash bore. Although maple is a, a much less dangerous word than ash. Very true. Ah, my ash trees. <laughs> so anyway, lovely trees. We like trees. Plant more trees. Plant all different kinds of trees. That's how you avoid this. Because, you know, every tree has a, you know, a threat of some sort, disease, that kind of thing. Uh, you know, but you can get more at SiouxFalls.org. Find out uh, what you can do. Um, they don't want you to trim or remove ash trees on private property right now at this time because trimming the trees can make them more vulnerable to the insect and moving the wood can hasten hasten the spread. So don't do any of that. Uh, anyway, I wanted to bring you up to date on that because it's a big deal. It affects us in, in real ways. These are real effects on our community, Dan. You know, politics is one thing. Trees are quite another. And we love our trees. So we've got a great show for you today. Our guests include Candy Hansen of Thrive and Dane Block of Community Outreach. And they're going to tell us about a new effort and a new study about the safety of kids when they're out of school. We have a very high rate in this community, 84%. We'll learn more about this, but 84% of kids in this community have are in households where both parents work. And so there's, there's out-of-school time and what those kids are doing and, and what resources are available becomes a big concern. So we'll talk to Candy and Dane about that. Blogger Corey Heidelberger of the South Dakota Free Press will be in to chat about politics from the left side of the dial. The smart cyclist is our weird friend of the day, and I will have a PL statement just after the break. Today's topic, the mayoral transition. The mayoral transition. The password is mayoral transition. That's all coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. Three eighteen on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000, KSOO. Oh, yeah, getting a little closer to free today on the PL statement with the Bodanes. Yeah, we just want to be a little closer to free, that's all. Uh, looking through the news, of course, this is the time of day when I glance through today's headlines. Last couple days, look for news, things that uh, strike my fancy, that affect me in some way, affect you in other ways. Today, uh, I just want to mention first, uh, I, I didn't get a chance to talk about it yesterday, was uh, the whole Korean prisoners uh, uh, release, which was good news. Uh, three American prisoners freed from North Korea arrived here early Thursday. That was early today. They released uh, a couple days ago. They got a personal welcome from President Trump in the middle of the night. He went out to the Andrews uh, Joint Base Andrews, formerly known as Andrews Air Force Base, and, uh, you know, welcomed these guys home. Uh, three folks who are of uh, Korean descent, South Korean descent, and who had been uh, uh, detained in North Korea. And uh, Secretary of State Mike, Mike Pompeo, he uh, had flown there to Pyongyang and uh, picked them up, which is good. It's good news. Uh, you know, I think we can all agree that that's it's a lovely thing. And, and these guys, it's great that they can get out. The president is scheduled to meet with Kim Jong-un on June 12th in Singapore, as we know. And this release was apparently a precondition for that meeting. Does that mean North Korea is going to give up their nukes or their nuclear ambition? Probably not. Uh, to do that, I suspect they're going to demand some sort of assurance from the U.S. that we won't try and take out uh, Mr. Kim. That seems unlikely. Uh, but more heartening to me is that uh, that uh, Kim Jong-un has gone to South Korea and to China and uh, getting out of the country a little bit. That's a good sign. And uh, thawing relations and the official end of the Korean War. These are huge steps in and of themselves. And I like to see that. So we'll see what comes of the of the actual conversation between Trump and Kim Jong-un. But 
this is a good step. I'm I'm happy to see that. Uh, I like diplomacy. I like diplomacy over threats. That's what I enjoy. Um, and uh, but I want to talk a little bit about uh, the Ten Haken transition team. The mayor elect uh, news came out yesterday, and we talked about that briefly. Just kind of went through the list, but it deserves a little more conversation. Um, and first, let's let's just look at this uh, this list of uh, folks who made the transition team. A couple former mayors on there, Gary Hansen and Dave Munson, uh, former city councilor, city commissioner, and state lawmaker, and Hayek, former economic development manager and Lloyd Company's executive, Erica Beck, Jody Schwan, who was chief of staff to Munson. Uh, also, we know Jody as a, a longtime guest on this program as the uh, owner of SiouxFalls.Business and a journalist in this community for many years. Don Hill, who served as the Sioux Falls Fire Chief from 1997 to 2011. I know Don, he's a good guy. Lincoln County Commissioner Jim Schmidt, also I know Jim, another good guy. Community consultant Goy Yall. I don't know Mr. Yall, but I know that he is of Sudanese descent. Uh, leadership consultant John Baranek. I have only a passing uh, uh, uh uh, I've met John, uh, but I don't know him that well, but I know him to be a very talented dude. Augustana University professor Lauren Kepsel, who I don't know. But it is a good group. It is a very good group. No, uh, note that Jody will be on the show on Monday, by the way. Monday. Mark your calendars, kids, uh, to talk business. But we'll probably get her thoughts on being on the team and what she thinks might happen. I think Jody's uh, inclusion uh, is a very good thing. Might surprise some folks, but... She brings media experience, and she's not currently affiliated with any of the uh, organizations that cover City Hall on a regular basis, so that's good. But she's got, uh, uh, you know, she has Sioux Falls dot business, uh, and but she also worked at the Argus Leader and at Kello, so she's got that perspective and uh, understands the importance of uh, transparency in government and dealing with media and how you do that openly and honestly, and the role of that relationship. Uh, I think that's good. Beyond Jody, though, there's a lot of experience on that list from all aspects of government, economic development, community relations. I think it shows, and I'm happy about this, I think it shows that Mayor-elect Tenhaken is sensitive to the rebuilding those relationships with many aspects of city government and the community that have soured in recent years, uh, particularly with the media, uh, between the mayor's office and, and the media. Uh, but also the mayor's office and the council and some other elements in the community. I was very pleased to see Gary Hansen involved. Of course, Gary is currently a public public utilities commissioner, but uh, he was mayor. He was the first mayor under the uh, charter and uh, really uh, shaped that office. He is a straight shooter and uh, a reasonable dude, and he knows how the game is played. So I think having Gary involved in those conversations is smart and uh, as well as Mayor Munson. Um, you might quibble with uh, any of these members' connections to this or that industry. Uh, you know, Erica Beck is, is a, uh, worked in, uh, works with Lloyd Companies. Obviously, they're a big developer in this community, um, but she also has uh, a lot of uh, city government experience. She's worked in planning, and, and um, she's got that uh, on her resume, so she knows how city government works, and that's important. Um, but uh, Jim Schmidt, uh, he uh, has been—he's a Lincoln County Commissioner. I think he's still in the commission. He's a longtime expert in local economic development. Has been involved in a lot of stuff over the years, and is uh, knowledgeable in the ways of government cooperation, which is going to be huge as this city continues to grow. Uh, everybody here has stellar reputations, plenty of ex expertise. That's a good thing. Um, in the big picture, it's a demonstration, I think, that the new mayor knows the importance of coalition building. He believes in it. Uh, he believes in consensus. He believes in inclusion. Um, it's one thing to say you're a consensus builder and you're going to get everybody at the table. But in the end, uh, I think that Mayor Huther's style was really uh, not that. In the end, it was implementing his opinions and his vision. That doesn't mean it was always wrong. I'm not saying that. I think that he made some mistakes. They tended not to have to do with policy. They tended to be uh, uh, with uh, his style 
and his inability to uh, d- deal with with criticism and with people who challenge his opinions. And that happened a lot in the media. Um, but I think with Ten Haken, this is this is a, a this is not a go it alone message. Okay, um, at least that's what the signal is here. It doesn't mean it's all puppies and rainbows over there at City Hall beginning on Tuesday. I I don't think I certainly don't think so, and I would imagine that Mr. Tenhaken doesn't think so. We all know that there's going to be disagreements, squabbles, outright battles and fights. The challenge is letting voices be heard during the decision-making and problem-solving process. Almost everybody I know who has an interest in city government is a reasonable human being. Um, They want to see our city be the best place it can be. I rarely find somebody whose motives aren't, uh, at their core, good. Now, some people are out to make money. There's nothing wrong with that either. But if what you're trying to do, uh, uh, if it doesn't work out for some reason, you have to accept it. And I think most people will do that if they're given the proper uh, avenue to voice their opinions, even if they don't get their way, even if they lose a policy debate. uh, As long as decisions are made in the full light of day after reasoned discussion, that's what we need. And that's the message I take from the appointment of this transition team. I hope it's one that holds for the duration of the Ten Haken administration. It won't be easy to do, but it's really not that complicated either. That's the bottom line on today's PL statement. Agree or disagree with me? Drop me an email. Patrick at KSOO.com. It's easy to remember. Patrick at KSOO.com. You can also uh, tweet at us at P. Lally Show. Always fun that way. Coming up after the break, we're going to chat with the smart cyclist, Michael Christensen. He's got a lot on his plate, so we're going to we're going to spend the next half hour or so talking about really fun stuff. You're going to want to stick with us. Coming up next, though, is the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters. And then we'll be back on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 335 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And it's Thursday, and it's Weird Friends time, which usually means that the smart cyclist Michael Christensen is here, and of course, he is here. So it's great to have you. Ta-da! In the flesh. It's been weeks. It has been weeks. I don't know if you know this or not, but I've been in Italy. I can tell by your thin mustache. <laughs> and, and, my, and the glass of wine over yeah, there. Yeah, that's right. And Because, you know, in Italy, they drink wine in the afternoon. I don't, I don't know if that's true. Were you in Tuscany at all? I went through, yeah, I was in Florence. Went through Tuscany. Yeah, that's Tuscany. I'm, okay, I believe you. I just know to say the word Tuscany whenever <laughs> you're talking about Italy. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's all you got to know. Uh, but we're not here to talk about my world travels. Let's talk about me for a minute. Let's talk about you. Um, Michael Christensen, he is the smart cyclist. And uh, we talk a lot about um, different kinds of uh, planning stuff, transportation stuff, uh, cycling stuff. Uh, but it's not just about, I mean, it's not just about people who ride bikes. It's about recreation in our community and all these good things. And you've got a lot going on. You, uh, there has been a lot going on, but first of all, it's May and May is always bike month. It is. Uh, so what's going on, Michael, also president of the Falls Area Bicyclists, also a board member for Falls Area Single Track, uh, also a league, American League of Cyclists, Bicyclists. League of American Bicyclists, Mer- Cycling Ameri- Instructor. That. Uh, what is happening in this uh, sacred of bicycling months? We've got bike trail changes. Oh, man. We've got a calendar full of events. Oh, man. And, well, in time for Bike Month is the People for Bikes organizations, their organizations, City rankings, yeah, and we're in there. So we'll we're talk in there about that. So let's. So where let, do you want to start? Let's let's talk about Bike Month. Uh, the second, the, the I calendar. Was, uh, yeah, I wasn't okay. here, but uh, Mayor Huther once again proclaimed had the big mayoral pro- proclamation down there at uh, Town Hall. You were there. May I was there. Yeah, I stood to his left. Yes. How'd it go? He paid attention to Jody on his right because, well, you just pay attention to Jody when she's in the room. Yep. And he read the proclamation. Yep. He shook everybody's hands. I don't know. That was about twenty people. 
That's good. He said, May is bike month in Sioux Falls. Yeah. And then the sixth was the bike blessing. My bike has been blessed, and I as a rider have been blessed. That That's happened good. at First Lutheran Church. They, uh, they say, hey, you ride for all these sorts of reasons, and they're all good reasons and blessings on you. And then we traveled to, to the, the, the local paste, patisserie. No, Pist- that'd be the wrong word. Cause patisserie. The bakery. Which one? Queen City. Oh, Queen City Bakery. I didn't mean to. That's not C H. Infringe on it. No, yeah, both right. of them are fine organizations. Fine, fine. Right. So, so we traveled there for some baked goods and some coffee, and then went back, and that yeah. was all just wow. a nice little half hour, forty minute Lovely. kind of thing. But there's a lot of stuff still coming up. Yeah, next week is Bike to Work Week, and that's National Bike to Work Week. So people all over the country, and that's just an encouragement thing. But there's lots going on that week. I know that Harlan's has some sort of energizer station. Spoken Sport has some sort of energizer station. Two Wheeler Dealer has some. Sp- Excuse me. Two Wheeler Dealer has some sort of energizer station. First Lutheran Church is doing something. Um, all kinds. Of all kinds stuff. of things going on. Yeah. But uh, so that's that's next week is actual bike to work week. Yes. I'm going to ride my bike to work next week. It'd be a good time to kick off a. I got rejuvenate, rejuvenate. There we go. Now that you're back from. Yeah. Did travels. I tell you what happened though? I rode out oh. to, to, to uh, good earth state park on Sunday when I got back from Italy yes. and uh, my bike is just sitting there. My, my salsa Fargo, my, yes. my kind of touring machine. And I'm, I walk back up to it. I walk around good earth for a little bit. I walk back up to it. I'm standing there and the tire blows loudly. Just blew clean off the wheel. <laughs> Really? Boom! Yeah, and it's a tubeless, and so there's yeah. sealant everywhere. Splatter. I, I don't know. It's a there's there's a theory out. There's a formula working its way around to describe to to, to solve this problem, which was it's like uh, 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 heat plus pressure times my weight gain indicates. A- <laughs> Are you sure they're not just making fun of you? Wait. <laughs> Because you weren't riding at the time. Oh, there. See, there. I think they might just I be think, making fun of you. Dang it. All right. But, but here's the thing with that, though. I haven't heard of that happening. Ever. Ever. Has no. anybody ever? No. There's nobody said, of, oh, yeah, that's a thing. No. Nobody yeah, said that's a that's thing. That's crazy. Especially just, it wasn't just, it was just kaboomy. Yeah. It took, I mean, it, and it, the tire was like completely off. Separate. Yeah. I mean, it didn't fly away because right, it didn't break. It's, it's, it doesn't, yeah, it didn't break apart and, yeah. Anyway, what else is going on for, that's not the issue. That's not why we're here to talk. <laughs> Bite to work week next week. You got these stations. That's cool. Let's, so Ride of Silence is also during that week. So oh. Wednesday night, the Ride of Silence honors people who have been injured or um, killed mm-hmm. while riding a bicycle. And we have now, this year we have not had a fatality. Nor did we last year. Good. So... So we'll go back in the archives to find those people to honor. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe somebody has had an incident that they did get injured and we just don't right. know about it. Right. If they come, we'll note that. But and this is just to, it's about, you know, safe it, cycling and, and everybody working together. It's a ride of silence. Yeah. It's somber. Yeah. It's a yeah. somber. It's a quiet thing. Where is this happening? Um, departing Thaywick Park. Okay. Wednesday night. Wednesday night. 6.30? Sure. <laughs> Ride of Silence online, find Sioux Falls. I can't remember what time it's. We're there. Uh, Also, uh, uh, I should say, a lot of this stuff is on the FAB website, which is the revamped. The shiny new fallsareabicyclists.org website. Thanks, Art Holden. Excellent work. Yes. And so you can find a lot of this stuff there. Yes. And you can also sign up for FAB. There's There's a bike month page specifically that has... Every event opportunity that we could find, not just fabs, just in the community. So, yeah. and there's a lot there. You yeah, can't believe how much stuff is going on. But one thing that's coming up that I, that is become just wildly successful is the taco ride. The taco ride. There's a taco ride next Thursday. Um, that's the slow roll. Start from. A point. Oh my goodness, I can't recall where that point is. Oh man, you've come ill prepared. <laughs> I have. I'm out of practice. Maybe one of our listeners out there will tweet us when, the, when, and where the taco. You ride went starts. on vacation, and my mind shut down. <laughs> <laughs> but the the taco rides, though, they are amazing. They yes. They uh, I the ones I went on last year. I mean, there was like. 250 people there something like that right i'm remembering that correctly right <laughs> i think you're right yes 
and that was that was way bigger than we've expected um usually it's around 70 or 80 and yeah it's a nice slow roll slow roll through the city um and stopping at a taco joint uh i think the last one last year was at shenanigans where they put together a taco bar from for us and we actually departed from shenanigans that day and did a little west side sioux falls tour so yeah, it kind of moves around town, which is awesome. You see yeah. different parts of town and yep. uh, this big mass of people. It's really wild when you're riding through neighborhoods with 200 or whatever bikers and people, kids are just stopping by. Whoa. It becomes like a parade. <laughs> ah! Which is weird. Whenever I drive my car through neighborhoods, nobody ever stops to clap for me. What? I know. Uh, let's see. It's uh, 6 p.m. The Great Taco, the, the Great Taco Roundup Ride. Taco Roundup Ride. Which is 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. Uh, why does this not say where it location is? Location to be determined, I oh. think. Actually, now it occurs to me. Go on Facebook. You'll find it. It'll turn up. Ride. Go to Fab. We still got a week to plan it. Come on. We don't have it. We actually don't have a place, as now I recall. For real. <laughs> well, we're finding one. Good thing we're promoing a it ride is, that it, doesn't have a spot. It is not hard to find somebody who wants to serve 200 people tacos. It's not? No. Oh, okay. Good. Because, you know, any food truck would love that opportunity, right? That's true. We're just finding the right one <laughs> for the great taco roundup ride. I won't be here. Uh, anyway, we're going to come right back with the Smart Cyclist there because there's a couple other exciting things going on that we want to talk about. And uh, we'll be right back after this very short break on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Three forty-eight on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. And we return to our conversation with Michael Christensen, the smart cyclist, for an extended edition of Weird Friends, uh, which I like to do when it's appropriate. So, Michael, a um, couple other really fun things that are going on. One is uh, a new extension of the bike trail in a very good spot tell us about that so april 25th the city broke ground and on a bike trail extension that essentially connects dunham park more directly to the zoo area of Mm -hmm. the bike trail which by my estimation turns three paved miles into 1.2 paved miles so so a mile and almost two miles shorter if you had to go around. If you had to go on existing trail right now to go to that same place. Right. And you couldn't. So this trail comes from Dunham Park on the west along Skunk Creek, north side of Skunk Creek. Yep. And along one country club and goes across what is now a closed dam to the other country club. Yes. But it, it connects. It gets you across the river at a very opportune point yes and all paved so so the short the previously like my shortest and favorite way into the core of the city was on some gravel that well one that that trail is replacing Mm -hmm. and so when it was wet and snowy and Mm -hmm. crappy like that it wasn't it was too well it it was not very attractive to ride into the core of the city on the easiest route so now we'll have it all paved and we won't have to go all the way south to 41st street to do that and it's that coveted east-west route in Sioux Falls yes. that drivers so desperately <laughs> want and bikers now have. Because before, you could do it, but technically you had to cross uh, the uh, Westward Ho, now the Country Club of Sioux Falls, their bridge. Yes. And, and they didn't appreciate that. And they, they, they continued to escalate the signage on that bridge <laughs> saying, yeah, you shouldn't be here. Yeah, don't be here. No, don't do this. So. I told a former mayor that I was doing that one time. He said, I wouldn't worry about it. Yeah. So what are they going to do? Tell you to quit? Yeah. <laughs> Put up a sign. Uh, but this is better because this is yes. that, that flood control dam opens it up. It's it's awesome. Yeah. Previously on that flood control dam, you could walk up to the gate and you could look over to the other <laughs> side. But the gate was locked. And all it is is opening the gate. Yeah. And a b- whole bunch of asphalt. So, well, yeah. not a whole bunch, but yeah. A, so a it's going to add, it's, it's going to hook, it just makes it a really great uh, corridor through the middle of the city. And uh, you can go over to 18th and go up 18th, or you can go to 15th and 
going to be awesome. All that. That's my primary route into downtown now. Yeah. And I, boy, I love going to downtown. Yeah. By bike. We're down. Yeah, I do too. So that's one. <laughs> yes. Now there is a, there's a detour because the city is, uh, not over there on the east side. Yes. The, the Dunham Park, not Dunham Park, Rotary Park. Rotary. Because they're building that whole crazy intersection there at, uh, 229 and, uh, 26th street. It's going to take out Rotary. Yes. So, so there's the, a, but so there's a detour over there now, but it's an easy one. Yeah, so the idea is they're moving Rotary to the other side of the river because the reconstruction of the interchange is going to raise the road some 30 to 50 feet, making Rotary, what Rotary is now, inaccessible. And to do all that work, they have to reroute the bike trail a little bit so that they can have a safe zone to operate their big machines. And and the cool thing about this is it's a short detour. It's going to exist until September, but they laid temporary asphalt through grass to make that route um, obvious and safe and comfortable for riding. It's not, it's not a mishmash of streets. It's not a mishmash of signage. It's follow this strip of asphalt just as if it were the normal bike trail, but it's through Rotary Park, kind of around the outside edge of Rotary Park. Yeah, because in the old days, they would either just close it and you'd be on your own, or they'd say, uh, you know, in that, that case, probably Southeastern. You know, go out on Southeastern, go down right. to Cherry Rock. You'll be all right. You'll be fine. Avoid that bus. <laughs> and, and what you get, what you used to get with closures was they just put up a sign. And, yeah. well, bike riders don't read. And so they'd, they'd look past that sign and say, oh, I can survive that. <laughs> and then you get construction managers saying, there's people riding through our area. It's yeah. not safe. And so now we've kind of come to a new place where it's detours good. are proper. And this is progress. People can operate. So, yeah, it's pretty neat. Before you go, I want to talk about this People for Bikes thing. So yes. they ranked like 400 and whatever cities yes. in the country. And we did okay. Yes. Uh, we got Mid-pack. Yeah. The number doesn't mean much. It's like 2.2 out of 5. Right. But we're better than, as I looked at it, and you correct me if I'm wrong here, we were better than Omaha, Des Moines, Sioux yeah. City. We were right in there with them, I yeah. would say. Yeah. A couple points higher and not that yeah. far behind Minneapolis. So right. regionally, we did pretty well. Yeah. This is good news, isn't it? I think so. Um, but you want to talk about South Dakota with this? Yes. So let's talk about Brookings and Rapid City. Yes. Um, um, acceleration, Sioux Falls clobbers Brookings and Rapid City, uh, 1.5. Meaning getting better. By, by one point, which means we are accelerating our efforts more than them. Yep. Um, but when you talk about reach, who, what, who is in your community is served by your bike network? Mm-hmm. Um, Rapid City has 3.9, Sioux Falls has 2.1, Brookings has 3.1. So we're behind there. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, I think the, a little bit of that is the biking, mountain biking culture right. in Rapid. That's huge. And just the recreation culture in general in yep. Rapid City. Yep, and uh, Brookings too, to some extent. Yeah, and yeah. then let's do one more network. Uh, 2.2 for Brookings and Rapid City, 1.3 for Sioux Falls, and that's your bike lanes and stuff like that. So we have some challenges, yeah. and we can meet our local competition, Brookings and Rapid City. There, if you can't be better than Brookings, why even try? That's right. Uh, uh, Michael Christensen, the smart cyclist, uh, thanks for being uh, our guest today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, and see you in a week, I hope. I hope, too. Uh, we'll be right back after the news and weather. Actually, we're going to be back, and then the news and weather. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Three fifty-eight on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. Don't forget this Saturday. It's the Avera Race Against Breast Cancer. It is a big dang deal over there at the Avera McKinnon Fitness Center on South Southeastern. Ten k and a five k run, the three mile and one point five mile walk. It's a great cause and it's a lot of fun. Go to AveraRaceWhoFalls.org for more info. Coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, we're going to talk to Corey Heidelberger of Dakota Free Press blog. It's going to be fun. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Four oh six on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And I am very pleased to have on the phone from the beautiful hub city of Aberdeen, way up in the northeast part of South Dakota, Mr. Corey Heidelberger of the Dakota Free Press blog. Mr. Heidelberger, thanks for being here today. Patrick, thank you so much for having me. Glad to be back and glad you're back. Oh, thank you. That's so nice to say. 
uh, I appreciate the warm welcome that I received upon my return. I don't know if you know this or not, but I was in Italy. <laughs> I, I've been saying that to all the guests now. So <laughs> I, well, I did hear, and I hear the Pope was involved even. The Pope was there. I did see Oh, wow. I know. It's something hey, else, man. I, I don't even go to church, and I think that's awesome. <laughs> The whole thing was awesome. Um, Say, we have you on the air because uh, uh, you are a prolific blogger up there out of Aberdeen with the DakotaFreePress.com and a a self-proclaimed lefty liberal dude. And uh, we talk about all kinds of stuff. And I'm interested, uh, we've been chatting, I'm interested in your thoughts on on this. uh, We're going to go hyper-local today and talk about sheriff's races, right? So, yeah, sheriff's races. So what's your take on this now? Because you, you, you think that uh, uh, essentially there are swaths of voters that are disenfranchised. So oh, explain yeah. That. And, uh, explain that. Well, here's the deal. I went and looked at the candidates list that the Secretary of State has on her website. And there are 66 counties in South Dakota. Turns out that in 39 of those counties this year, only one person in each of these counties filed a petition saying, yes, I want to be sheriff. And so, of course, well, in those 39 counties, there's no election. Those 39, those 39 counties just have the one person sign up, that person's sheriff, no problem. That, and that's not a big deal. You know, it's tough to find people who want to do that job. Being sheriff, you're, you know, you're on call all the time. It's hard work. You also have to be semi-qualified. And get, right, you, I can't be sheriff. I'm not qualified. There's lots of people who aren't qualified. So it's just like for a lot of jobs in some smaller rural counties, it's tough to find qualified people for the job. Yeah. So there's that. And that's, you know, I understand, but that's a separate problem. That's not really a voter problem. But in 25 counties, actually, there were a couple counties where nobody signed up. So I don't know what's going to happen there. But in 25 counties, there's going to be an election. 25 counties had at least two people say, I want to be sheriff. And so they get to fight it out, which is exciting. That's great. You know, I love choice. Yes. But out of those 25 counties, in a majority of them, 14 of those counties, the two people who are running are from the same party. Hmm. Now, in 13 of those counties, they're both Republicans. In one of those counties, over Old La Lakota County, they're both Democrats. Really? Yeah. So 13 counties where the election for for, uh, sheriff, in the cases Mm -hmm. where there's elections... um, some people don't are not they don't get to choose who the who the sheriff is. That's essentially what you're saying, right? Because if you're not a Republican in 13 of those counties, you don't even get to vote. Yeah, because if 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 only two people of the same party run, well, they qualify for a primary, and you have the primary to winnow it down to just one. But if there's not a, an opponent from another party or an independent, then that primary decides it, and so that's the problem. I went and counted in those counties. You know, where like in the 13 counties with two Republican candidates, only the Republicans get to vote. So, you know, I love numbers. Mm -hmm. I went and counted up all the non-Republicans, the Democrats, independents, whatever. Mm -hmm. And it turns out if you add up all the voters in all those counties who aren't able to vote for sheriff, you've got over 47,000 voters in those elections who get no say, who otherwise would. And, and, and I guess my problem there is they're not disenfranchised by any error of their own. They're, they just don't get to pick only because nobody from their party or nobody from an independent uh, mm-hmm. affiliation decided to run for sheriff. It's an interesting little uh, uh, problem because, you know, what's the solution? Well, how about the, uh, the other party, in this case, mostly Democrats, come up with a candidate, first of all, I mean that oh, would sure. that would solve it, right? Or the independent something? Um, yeah, and that's and and I've heard that from people. Some people have said, well, you know, and you know, Brown County is one of those counties where I am here in Aberdeen. Mm-hmm. We've got two Republicans running, so I don't get to vote. Independents don't get to vote. That's a problem. Um, I had this happen when I lived in Lake County. Had two Republicans run, I couldn't vote. Mm-hmm. But I feel the same way about Oglala Lakota County, mm-hmm. and, and that's and that's a good example to look at. They've got two Democrats running on Pine Ridge. Mm-hmm. And that's understandable. The Republican Party doesn't have much strength there. But I look at voters there and I say, okay, suppose you are a Republican living in Manderson or Pine Ridge or Wounded Knee. Mm -hmm. You've still got a right to vote. The fact that your party 
And keep in mind, most voters who are registered Republican or registered Democrat, they aren't, you know, active members of the party. They're right. just kind of like, yeah, that's what I'll affiliate with. No sweat. It's not those voters' fault that their county just happens to have a weak or low number, mm-hmm. uh, you know, party, party uh, faithful who could field the candidate. It's not their fault that the Democratic Party didn't put up a Democratic candidate to save the day for them. And they so could, I, that's, they that's could why I like st- the open primary system. Yeah, yeah and that's really the, the issue here, isn't it? Because you, you could go change your affiliation and vote, or you could be an independent or no party affiliation, but mm-hmm. if you have no party affiliation, Democrats let you vote in the primary, If you're no, but the Republicans don't. Right, right. And that's, and that's a different thing in, you know, Oglala Lakota County, since they've mm-hmm. got two Democratic candidates, the independents can walk in and vote if they want, but the Republicans still can't. Right. And I say, you know, for something like sheriff, where really, they're just enforcing the law, it really doesn't matter if the sheriff's a Republican or a Democrat, they're still going to pull you over for speeding down the county oil. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, ultimately, there are a couple ways we could fix this and get these 45,000 people to be able to vote again. You know, one have an open primary system where everybody's on the ballot and everybody can vote. That's pretty fair. Yeah. Or two, do it like we do, like, like Sioux Falls just did with its mayor's race. Make sheriff a nonpartisan race. So yeah. everybody runs. We don't care what party you are. You're all on the ballot, and we all get to vote for you. That should probably be the way it is because it doesn't make any sense for those jobs to be partisan. I mean, it just there's no reason for it. And right. And a lot of sheriffs tend to be Republican because it's seen as more of a law and order party and all those different things. But it, it is just kind of silly. Yeah, it, yeah, it's it's a local position. It's a grassroots kind of position. It's going to affect everybody in the county. Everybody should get a say on that, regardless of which party happens to field a candidate or yeah. doesn't. It's very interesting. We're going to come back and talk more with Corey Heidelberger of Dakota Free Press. Got some other stuff going on that we want to talk about in the world of politics. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Not trade all of my money for one last pack of strings. 419 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we return to our conversation with Corey Heidelberger of the Dakota Free Press blog from up there in Aberdenang, South Dakota. Corey, uh, I was looking at your blog, dakotafreepress.com, and I noticed you had this entry on uh, revenue being uh, a little a little you know, flat. You know, state revenue is flat. But uh, it's, yeah. in- it's interesting as I look at it here, um, the stuff that's like, so the general sales tax, we, we spent money, but... Uh, some of the other stuff was down and it's the, it's the sin stuff. It's the booze and the smoking. What's up with that? Yeah. Well, it's, it's kind of good news, bad news, but the bad news might also be good news kind of news. Yeah. Um, the good news, the good, good news, if you like capitalism is that we bought more stuff in April, more stuff than was projected and more stuff than even the legislature hoped, which is remarkable because you'll remember we had what, two, three, eight blizzards in April. Yeah, it was bad. April was was not good shopping weather, but apparently we all went out and bought a couple more shovels or something because sales tax was up in April better than the legislature expected. So, you know, rock on consumerism. The bad news, which, like you were suggesting, could kind of be good news, is our uh, alcohol tax and particularly our tobacco taxes were down in April. Um, now, the alcohol one, that might just be a statistical glitch. There was something about what date the receipts came in. So it might be that the, the, the uh, April receipts might not have come in in time to be counted for this report. So we'll mm. see about that. But the cigarette tax, that all the tobacco taxes we have, they've been on a long-term down to downward trend, not just last month, but throughout the year. And even ever since we put in the extra buck a pack tax back in, what was that, 2006, 2008? Yep. Yep. Um, I did a quick, again, I did a quick spreadsheet and found that the drop, if, if tobacco taxes keep going down the way they've been going down this year each month, uh, we're going to see our tobacco revenue down 10, almost 11% from what we had last year. And that's wow. the biggest drop in tobacco tax revenue that we've seen in a decade. That's that's precipitous. But that yeah. just means people are smoking less. So that's the good news, right? 
that that is, that's the good news for me. Hey, the less people are smoking, I'm fine with that. If South Dakota collected nothing in tobacco tax, we'd be a healthier, happier state with better visibility. Well, and we we would save it all in Medicaid money. <laughs> and yeah, and then right. you get all those things, and and that's just the idea of a tobacco tax. You know, when you're being perfectly logical about it. You impose a tobacco tax, first and foremost, to deter people from smoking because of all those other costs that come from it. If in the meantime, if some people are going to keep doing it, well, we get some extra revenue and we try to put that money to good use. So, yeah, tobacco tax going down, it's, it's bad on the ledger right now, but there's all those other costs down the line of people making healthier choices that will never show up clearly in the ledger, but you know they're there. Yeah, and the other thing is we're about to, we could put another tax on tobacco to pay for uh, Votech education, right? Right, that's initiated measure 25. That's one of the ones that Mark Mickelson put on the ballot. That's coming up in November. And it'll be interesting to see how these revenue figures factor into that debate over that bill because you you know if we raise tobacco tax another buck we already have a lot of people who apparently are looking at the current taxes and going uh maybe I can't afford to smoke anymore and it's mm-hmm. just deterring them from doing that that's great if we tack another buck on there that you know we're kind of at a tipping point maybe where another buck boom that would push a lot more people off smokes which yeah. is hunky dory fine with me again mm-hmm. someday I'll get my mom to quit smoking maybe but <laughs> And I'm working on you, Mom, so if you're listening, put them down already. I want my inheritance. Don't spend it all on smokes. Uh, Man, a pack of smokes has got to be, what, six, seven bucks now? I don't even know. Well, I I don't buy them myself, so I don't know. But, you know, Mickelson's taxes put another dollar on there. But if people are trending away from cigarettes, that means that the Votex might not see as much money as as the tax might otherwise give it. Yeah, that's interesting. That's the, the the double-edged sword of a tobacco tax. If you're really dependent on the money, yeah, that's not so good. What do you? Yep. It, but we'll see. And that's going to be an interesting uh, uh, little fight, anyway. I think, don't you? Oh well, and making it more interesting, I just noticed this. Uh, you know, a couple days ago, uh, a committee has formed. An official ballot question committee has formed to fight Mickelson's initiated measure twenty-five. Really. Yes, and the chairman of that committee is also from Sioux Falls. Really? Who's that? He's also from District 13. He also served in the House with G. Mark Mickelson. It's none other than Steve Westra. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, no, that's funny. I mean, not funny, oh, not. but it's, it's uh, they, I mean, I'm sure that they, you know, run into each other at cocktail parties and such. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I hope they have a, a vigorous debate, and I hope we all get to see it. And it's interesting because, I mean, the, on the, uh, uh, commit, the committee statement of organization, the paper you file to officially become an opponent group, um, Westra writes, the purpose of the committee is to oppose higher taxes on South Dakotans. That's even like in the name of the committee, South Dakotans against higher taxes. So it's purely going to be, you know, Westra saying, we don't want more taxes. Boom. He's, you know, that's the focus of the issue. Who, uh, who do you think is really behind that, that committee? Is there, is this a, is this a industry funded situation that can happen, right? Well, I, you know, that's a very good question and that's something we need to watch for. Cause you know, obviously we haven't seen any uh, you know, outward campaigning on this yet. Everybody's waiting to get the primary out of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I can tell you this, the only other evidence I have on who's behind it is the treasurer for that committee is a gal from Pier who's a registered lobbyist and the executive for the South Dakota Petroleum and Propane Marketers Association. Propane, propane accessories. Um, what yeah. The, <laughs> and who is that? Uh, well, her name is Donna Litsky. Huh. And so she's a, she's a lobbyist for propane. Yeah, for propane. Now, you'd think if anybody would like people to, you know, maybe keep cigarettes away, it'd be people working with oil. So I'm just kerflummoxed there. I can't figure out what that thing might be. It might just be that Westra and this Litsky lobbyist, they're both like, yeah, we don't want more taxes. Let's fight this thing. It could be just what it is. Yeah. But I'll keep an eye out for more and see see who else comes out to oppose that tax hike. That's very interesting. It's going to be really fun. It's going to be a great season, isn't it? Oh, election years are great. They're all that And... They're fun, they're interesting for blogging, but they're, I think they're interesting because they are a chance to talk about things like we talk about, mm-hmm. revenues, taxes, how we're going to make our democracy work, who gets to vote, all that kind of thing. The it's fun stuff. because it's, it's important. 
Yeah. Well, Corey Heidelberger, keep up the good work, man. It, I love reading the blog. Glad to be here. That's dakotafreepress.com. Corey Heidelberger, he's here uh, about once a week, and we get to chat with him, and uh, always fun. We'll be right back after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters. We're going to chat uh, with Candy Hansen, the executive director of Thrive, and Dane Block, the executive director of I'm sorry, Candy's the president of Thrive. I always get that title wrong. And uh, Dane Blott, who is the executive director of Community Outreach. And uh, we've got some interesting stuff about housing and kids' safety. You're going to want to stay close. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. 434 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. And I am very pleased to have in the studio the return after a long, long wait of Candy Hansen, who's president of Thrive, and she has brought with her Dane Block, who is the executive director of the of community outreach here in our fine community. Candy, uh, first of all, thanks for coming back. I appreciate it. Great to be here. Um, second of all, you should probably quickly remind people what Thrive is because it you still have not been in existence that long. So what is Thrive? Okay, we've been around for about a year and four months. And Thrive is what we call a cradle-to-career initiative. We're looking at how to make sure we have kids moving through our educational system and coming out the other end prepared for the workforce of tomorrow. We've got a problem in Sioux Falls that it's hard to kind of attract people from other places here. And we're doing right well right now because our workforce is around 35 years of age. But when you look out 10 or 12 years, want to make sure we're going to have those high-tech and well-educated kids to take over the jobs that we need to keep our economy vibrant. Yeah, and it's a big job, and you have been uh, gathering data and doing studies and commissioning studies, I should say, and you have a, you have a new one. Yep. Um, that, and I, I think this is very interesting because it deals with uh, uh, what kids, it deals with kids when they're not in school, Correct. right? And so tell us, uh, why did you uh, uh, commission this study that uh, you did with uh, Augustana Research. Um, why did you do it, first of all, and what did you find? Well, in general, what Thrive is doing every time we look at how kids are doing in school is we're trying to discover what obstacles there are because they're only in school about 14% of their time. And then our action teams try and remove those obstacles. So when we were doing our first study, on housing, one of the topics that kept coming up with the parents who were interviewed was their biggest concern was what their kids were doing when they weren't in school. Mm-hmm. And kids are only in school 14% of the time. Summer's coming up. Summer's a tough time for that. The other thing that we heard, and that came from the real estate developers, was when they go in to try and do affordable housing projects, one of the biggest objections they run into is from neighbors who say, we don't want those kids running around loose in our neighborhood. So oh, come on now. We, the, our council and our board looked at that and said, let's find out what resources have we got here in Sioux Falls taking care of kids when they're not in school and is there an opportunity to do a better job of it? And the other interesting part about that study, as I was reading it, is that we always have known that we have high rates of uh, working mothers and, and both parents in the household working. But I think this study, correct me if I'm wrong, it, 85% of kids in our community are in households where both parents work. Is that right? Yeah, it's, we beat the national average. The national average is 65% of kids have all of their parents working outside mm-hmm. the home. Now, if it's a single parent yeah. or both parents, Sioux Falls, it's 84%. That's amazing. It is amazing. And it's a big burden on families, whether they're well off or whether they're low income, which makes it even more challenging. And it relates to this because it just makes it that much more difficult to... Uh, uh, it makes it more expensive because you have to have more supervision or in the in the uh, absence of supervision, you have the potential for kids getting in trouble. That's exactly right. Either getting in trouble or getting into dangerous situations. Mm-hmm. And we top the national average, too, in the number of kids that are taking care of themselves alone. 
And we're not just talking about after school because you've got snow days, you've mm-hmm. got days when school is closed, and you've got a nice long summer. So what's that? What's that number about uh, of kids taking care of themselves? What sort of statistic are we looking at there? I think the average is about twenty seven percent, as opposed to about twenty percent nationally. So twenty seven percent of kids in Sioux Falls, right? South Dakota. So- That's I'm sorry, South Dakota. South Dakota, Dakota yeah. are taking care of themselves when they're yep. not in school. Yep. And anecdotally, I mean, last summer we were hearing stories that when this was just getting off the ground of eight-year-olds taking care of six-month-old children during the summer. Now, that's a, a cost issue for a lot of low-income families, and we have a high proportion of low-to-poverty-level um, families with a lot of kids, and older kids take care of younger kids, and they're not really old enough to be doing it. No, eight years old isn't old enough to be taking care a of A six-month-old? No, I don't think so. Maybe themselves <laughs> for an hour and a half. <laughs> Um, so, uh, this study, which you commissioned is what you're looking at this as a board. What, what's next or what do you do? So the pattern with thrive is that we target an obstacle to student success. Then we contract with Augustana research to do a comprehensive study. Our next step is we'll be getting people from the community to come in who want to volunteer to serve on an action team. And the job of that action team is to either eliminate the obstacle or figure out a way to significantly reduce the impact. So the next step is to get together an action team. And who can be on that? Anybody. But we have to have cross-sector. We want business at the table, government at the table, nonprofits and faith-based organizations (laughs) at the table. These issues are so big that no one organization and no one segment of the community can solve it and find new opportunities. So um, generally what will happen is that we'll put an application online and people who are interested in coming in and sharing their opinions and working on solutions um, just fill out an application and then we pick about 15 of them and get it rolling. And what's the website? Oh, the website is SiouxFallsThrive.org. And you have a link on there to the study. Yeah, so if, you, if you go there, you can get the study. Because it's big. It's a long study. Well, it's a, it's a very uh, thorough study. It's comprehensive. Yes. The worst thing you can do is to try and get a task force together and let them sit there for two years saying, Stare at each other. Now, how many Title I schools do we have in right. Sioux Falls? So you start with data. The population? So we start by giving them the basic information they need to be successful. That's awesome. Um, and part of that is housing. And that's why Dane Block is here from right. the Community Outreach. Uh, Dane, you're, you're, what's your role in Thrive then? Yeah, I'm, uh, like I said, the Executive Director of Community Outreach. I sit on the housing action team uh, through Sioux Falls Thrive. Right on. And we're going to talk about a pilot program that you're working on because these things are all related, mm-hmm. right? I mean, Absolutely. that's yep. that we come down to a lot of it's uh, working families. So we're going to talk about that just after the break. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. The clouds will blow away. 447 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we return to our conversation with Candy Hansen. She's president of Thrive, which is a fantastic organization doing good work in this community. And Dane Block, who is the executive director of community outreach. Uh, Dane, right before we went to the break, we, we sort of teased uh, that you're working on uh, housing with Thrive. You're on the Housing Action Committee. Uh, what does that mean exactly? Yeah, we are a group of uh, individuals organized by Candy and Sioux Falls Thrive to really target the barriers that are that are preventing people from attaining safe and affordable housing. Um, you know, as Candy says, as Sioux Falls Thrive says, we are you know very program rich but system poor when it comes to being able to help somebody find safe and affordable housing, which is the keystone to everything that we're trying to work on. And as you said, housing is huge. We know that affordable housing is a serious problem in a lot of places in this country, but including Sioux Falls. Um, what, what, are you, what, what can you do to help people as part of, part of community outreach and as part of Thrive? What are, the, is there, are there solutions out there you're working on? Tell me about that. Sure. Well, one of the biggest challenges we see, and, and this was documented in the Augustana study, was you know, the average cost of a two-bedroom apartment in Sioux Falls is $712. Really? $712? $712. 
the average renter in Sioux Falls um, makes $10.77 an hour. In order to make that affordable, they need to be making $13.88 an hour to make that seven twelve happen in their Because budget. the seven, the, to be affordable, to make it work, you, what's the percentage that you should be? Between pay? 30 and 40% of their, of their household income. Wow. And that's a lot. That is a lot. That's, that's not counting food. That's not counting utilities. That's not counting transportation, getting kids to and from school. And if you're making 10 bucks an hour, say that as a household, you're making $20 an hour. Mm-hmm. You're scraping by. You're living pay- paycheck to paycheck. And I believe um, Augustana's newest study say that what 78% of, of your neighbors are living paycheck to paycheck. Wow. That's amazing. And yeah, one thing goes wrong and then you can't make the rent and you get booted out. Now you've got, uh, you're working on a pilot program. Tell me about this pilot program. Is it through yeah. Community Outreach, Thrive, or how's that work? Yep. So we're collaborating with Thrive to make this possible. And right now uh, the Community Outreach is going to administer the program. Uh, but what we're working on is a, a collaboration between landlords and people who have barriers to housing. Um, we have resources at Community Outreach to provide case management and financial assistance to those who uh, may not normally qualify for either market-based or low-income housing. They have a, a past uh, eviction or maybe a felony uh, years ago that are preventing them to getting into safe and affordable housing. Mm-hmm. Now, what we're asking landlords to do is to partner with us to understand that we're coming alongside a client to provide financial assistance, to provide case management. And what we mean by case management is somebody, a caseworker, um, regularly visiting with our clients, stopping in just on a regular basis to see how they're doing, how their budget's doing, to address any problems before they become disasters, and just to make sure that overall things are going well in their household. Um, in addition, you know, we're, as you can imagine, landlords may be a little tentative to yeah. sign up for a program Well, and like that's this. the big, that's the, one of the big yeah. barriers is a lot of people, uh, if they can't get, can't get rented to mm-hmm. um, if they are low income because landlords don't trust them. And that's where we're able to come along and be that advocate. Um, that's part of what community outreach does. That's what part of members of the action team do. Is we're, we're advocates for people who have housing barriers. But what we can do with the, the carrot, if you will, for, for landlords is we have access to not only financial assistance, which I've already mentioned, not mm-hmm. only case management, but there's also risk mitigation funds out there. Should somebody skip rent and, and you know they're behind in rent, the damage department, we have up to $5,000 that we can, $5,000 per incident that we can help with to to make the landlord whole. Well, that's that's amazing because that's the thing landlords complain about the most, and that is the risk. So uh, are you signing up landlords right now, or do you have them, or sure. how's that? We already have a core group that we're working with, but of course we're looking for more units. The more units we have, the more people we can place in the program. Um, our initial goal was 8 to 10 units just to run this pilot for 12 months. Mm-hmm. Um, we have met that goal, and I do have meetings set up over the next week to see if we can enroll more units. Um, like you said, you know the challenge is these, these private landlords may only have one, two, or three units but if they have that low-income person coming that they want to rent to, they're going to be a little skittish if there's a poor history, a poor credit history, or a history of eviction. And that's where, that's where we see that our role is, that, that advocacy, that case management, and that financial assistance. Um, it, this is sort of a – and so people, if you're a landlord out there and you want to get involved, they should com- contact Community Outreach, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Give us a call. Just shoot me an email. All of our information is on our website. Which is? Uh, thecommunityoutreach.org. There you go. Mm-hmm. Um, but my question then is sort of a, a just a broad question. A pilot program like this, Thrive, you're working uh, to try and, and, and figure out how to make sure the kids aren't in bad places when they're not in school. How, how does this all work together, and why, is it, why does it matter, Candy? It really matters because in our community now, uh, fortunately, if the economy is strong, but we have a disproportionate number of children in low-income and poverty families. And that's about a third of all the kids. And mm-hmm. the other thing that happened as we grew, most of them are located in poor neighborhoods. So they're there after school without resources around them. All of our Title I schools are north of 18th Street. And Title I being the federal designation at, for yes, kids. Yes, at have, least 40% yeah. of the kids yeah. are on free or reduced price lunches, and some of those schools, it's 100%. And they're north of 18th Street. North of, of 18th Street. So they don't have those kinds of neighborhoods where there's a mix of people coming in and a place to go down the street as easily as others. We want to make sure those kids, in that 84 or 86% of their time that they're not in school, have meaningful activities to engage in, that they're safe, and that 
at the end of the day, they know where they're going to go to sleep at night. It all ties together. And Thrive will be tackling each one of these issues one by one. Our next big one will probably be food because nutrition is important too. And that's another problem. Even access to nutrition mm -hmm. in those neighborhoods is getting tough. Yeah. Well, it's amazing work. And uh, as I said, if you want to get, if you want more information, you can go to thrive.org, right? Siouxfallsthrive.org. Siouxfalls and thecommunityoutreach.org. Yep. Make sure you have the the in there. Otherwise, the, you're not going to get to us. <laughs> thecommunityoutreach.org. Yep. We'll put all these links on our Twitter feed at P. Lally Show so you can get more information. It, it is amazing. The, the study is impressive. Uh, I really appreciate uh, you guys coming in today. Candy, thank you very much. Thank you, Pat. Dane, thank you very much. Thank you. And we're going to come right back and finish up the show. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. Four fifty-seven on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. As we finish up another fine Thursday here in the best little city in America. You know, I mentioned earlier that Saturday is the Big Avera Breast Race Against Breast Cancer. Saturday also is a fantastic day because you can go down to the Falls Park Farmer's Market from 8 to 1 every Saturday morning now that it's nice out, 8 to 1, down there across the falls, right across from the falls uh, in the big uh, Farmer's Market Pavilion there. Fabulous place. You can get uh, fresh produce, locally grown items, coffee, baked goods, soaps, jewelry, fresh flowers and plants, wood-fired pizza, and more. But that's not all. Starting at 11, Cinco de Mayo at Falls Park. It's just across the street. 11 to 7, enjoy Latino food, dance, art, music, and children's activities, the Chihuahua Fashion Show. Sounds like a great time. Coming up tomorrow on the show, Jeff Hansen. He's with Sculpture Walk. He's going to be here to tell us about the new installation. The Buffalo Maiden, Thea Miller-Ryan will be here. It's going to be a blast. With the happy hour edition of the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO.